I'm Dr. Lara Devgan. I'm a plastic surgeon in New York City, the CEO of Scientific Beauty, and of course, a major beauty enthusiast. You are listening to Beauty Bosses, where we chat with fellow industry leaders who are shaping beauty, fashion, wellness, and all things pretty. Hi everyone, welcome to episode 26 of my podcast, Beauty Bosses. I'm here with the fabulous Tanya Zuckerbrot. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you, Dr. Devgan. Tanya is not only a friend, but she's also the woman who single-handedly made fiber fabulous, <laughs> which you probably never knew happened. But Tanya is the founder of The F Factor, which is a sustainable, effective, healthy lifestyle solution um, that involves a high fiber and high protein diet and all sorts of other good stuff. I don't want to take away Tanya's um, amazing explanation of all that it involves. Um, so welcome and thank, thank you. you so much for I'm being here. I'm laughing that I just called you Dr. Devgan because we are friends outside of this office, but as soon as I'm in her office, I become her patient. I forgot that we're here doing this. And then yes. I put on the white official. So are. But so. this is actually a trick to yeah. camouflage my post-baby oh, body, which I yeah. actually, well, I'm going to be your client soon too. Don't you back to your pre-pregnancy weight in no time. And we're going to get to that in a few minutes, but I wanted to start by having you explain to everyone what is F-Factor. So F-Factor has been around for 20 years, not to date myself, but um, the way they founded it when you were five. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Well, thanks to you, they think I'm five, but no. um, I started F-Factor when I came out of school, and I didn't intend to be recognized for a weight loss guru, um, which is sort of the evolution of my private practice. When I first went into private practice, um, I really had set out to have a clinical private practice, and I saw nutrition um, really as as something that's quite medical, that working as an extension of a medical team, I would apply nutrition intervention to improve a patient's health status. Um, many clinical conditions can be managed through dietary intervention, some can even be reversed, um, and often if a patient has a clinical condition and they're taking medication for it, through diet, you can lower the dose and sometimes even discontinue the medications altogether. And I think that's so important because in 2018, you sometimes get pushed into overly medicalizing things, like, you know, take this pill, go to this doctor, because this it's kind a of quick thing. fix. And I think doctors like to see quick fix because spending time with the patient and recommending dietary changes and behavior modification, it takes time. It takes time for the byproduct of that to present itself. But you take a pill within a few weeks, problem solved. The problem is with pills, um, we don't really know what the long-term, you know, secondary effects may be because many of these medications are still rather new to the marketplace. So I like to do things as naturally as possible. Um, I don't have anything against medication because I do believe in integrative medicine. Integrative medicine is simply a combination of all kinds of disciplines. So there's Western medicine, Eastern medicine, certainly nutrition falls somewhere in between because it is a science, um, but it has holistic benefits as well. Um, So as I was saying, I was in this private practice working with cardiologists and endocrinologists. They were sending their clients to me so I could lower cholesterol and manage sugar levels. So I was prescribing diets for these distinct patient populations and after three months, they would go back to their doctors for repeat blood workup. And what they found was, yes, cholesterol came down, sugars came down and were managed. All these patients were losing weight. And even I'm scratching my head going, why is everyone losing weight? Because I had not set out to produce weight loss. 
what I didn't realize was in theory I created two very distinct diets, but they both had fiber in common. I was prescribing fiber to the cardiovascular patients because fiber is a, it acts like a sponge in the body and it can absorb many things, but cholesterol is one of them and usher it out of the body naturally on cholesterol levels. I was prescribing fiber to the diabetic patients because fiber slows down gastric emptying, so they were getting better blood sugar control. What I wasn't anticipating was the fiber I was prescribing for all the clinical benefits was filling these patients up so much that they were eating less throughout the day, um, which led to weight loss without hunger. And that was the birth of F-Factor. So when people give me credit for recognizing fiber's you know, miraculous weight loss benefits, you know, I, I, I correlate it to Isaac Newton sending our, our, the apple tree and the apple falls on his head and he discovers gravity. I really stumbled upon it because I was not using it for the weight loss benefits, but it was an amazing byproduct. I love that way of describing it because fiber was kind of there all along. It just needed, you know, a fabulous, glamorous woman to bring it to the forefront. Thank you. And, yeah. and, now, and now here it is. So now we have um, thousands or tens of thousands or maybe even more people who are huge fans of the F-Factor diet and lifestyle. And tell us a little bit about what the F-Factor lifestyle looks like. So I think why F-Factor is resonating right now is that the world of dieting has completely failed us. You hear the word diet, you think of words such as deprivation, denial, hunger, um, and most diets are not sustainable, and therefore you do them temporarily with the hope that the byproduct is going to be permanent. And it's just illogical. You know, it's permanent solutions lead to permanent changes. And I think why people love F-Factor so much is that a, it's effective, of course, but B, it's liberating, and I'm going to explain why in a minute, um, and C, it's sustainable. F-Factor is a lifestyle, meaning that it's nothing that, you, you don't go on F-Factor, because that means you can go off F-Factor. We teach you how to eat for the rest of your life. That's the investment our clients are making, even if you pick up the book, and you're investing your time to learn about the science. It's the science that I take the most pride in. And I think that's where F-Factor comes across really authentically, incredibly. People know my clinical background. And I take the time to share the science with our followers and with our readers. And that's where the hashtag Smart Girls Eat Fiber came from because I wanted people to feel educated. When you educate, you empower. And you know the saying, if you give a man a fish, you feed him for a day. But if you teach a man to fish, you feed him for life. So I wanted F-Factor followers to feel empowered. I wanted them to know why this works. And when you explain the why, how fiber works, which I'll get into for your listeners, once you buy into that, not buy in like I'm selling you something, but once you understand it, eating any other way, if you're interested in improving your health or managing weight, becomes illogical. And that's where this becomes so sticky. So to answer your question, what's F-Factor? Um, I would describe it as the most liberating, effective, and sustainable approach to improved health and to weight loss. Um, and how does it work? Well, it's based on four disruptive and probably counterintuitive principles. On F-Factor, from day one, you get to eat carbs, you get to enjoy cocktails, you get to dine out, and we even explain how you can work out less with better results. So, and that's like a miracle, right? Like carbs, <laughs> a glass of right, wine, exactly. no working out, saying, and going to nice restaurants. That's like completely counterintuitive. <laughs> and I think the world of weight loss has actually encouraged people not to eat carbs and not to drink wine or you know cocktails. Certainly, stay right. home, cook your own healthy meals, and that you must you know commit to like a really rigorous you know workout regimen. And many people are doing that. And despite the fact that we've bought into that, 
We are fatter than ever as a nation. Currently, the statistics show that out of every three Americans, two are overweight, and out of those two, one is obese. Americans spent $66 billion last year in the weight loss space, everything from gym memberships to diets to liposuctions to gastric bypass. We are so desperate for a solution, and I'm here to share with you guys that F-Factor can be part of that solution for you. Yay. So, okay, so I can't wait to hear more about this. Um, and I wanted to first rewind and take, I want you to take us back to the very early days. So before F-Factor became this big brand, and for those of you guys who are not aware, F-Factor not only has um, a book and frequent media appearances by Tanya and a busy clinical dietitian practice here in New York City and beyond all over the world, but F-Factor also has a bunch of products, protein bars, protein powders, fi fiber, fiber, fiber sorry, protein sorry, sorry, bars, fiber protein bars. <laughs> yeah, it's okay. Um, so F-Factor is this huge thing at this time, but it wasn't always that. There Definitely was a day not. when it was just an idea in your mind. So I want to know how you got from the idea stage after your light bulb moment to today. Yeah. Um, so it's taken me many twists and turns. Um, it's the bane of every entrepreneur. Um, when you are on your own, you start off um, taking on every role in the organization. Some roles you're highly qualified for. For example, I'm very qualified to counsel um, a client. I am not qualified to managing my books. <laughs> I'm not qualified for raising capital. And yet I try to do many of those things. So. Um, I started off in a small private practice out of my apartment and over time it, it grew and I was able to get an office and have someone answer my phones and then at one point I was, um, you know, I had two dietitians working for me, I had a successful private practice but I was intent on really scaling the business so I met with someone who's going to help me raise capital and he set me up with a ton of meetings and I would see clients all day long and then at night I would go to take these meetings to try and raise capital. And I had people working for me on accrued salaries, you know, waiting for me to raise this capital. And it was one of the scariest times of my life because I felt like I was working two jobs, one that I was highly qualified for, which was my clients. And then at night I'd go out speaking to very um, seasoned businessmen and I had my business plan and I would have to speak to it. But I really wasn't trained. You know, I, I have an MSRD, not an MBA. so. I, I really didn't have the skill set. And it was probably one of the first times in my career where I felt that I had truly failed. And in a really humbling way because I had to put myself out there and take these meetings and every meeting you're hoping to close this. And every meeting I left without, without a handshake or a check. And um, after that, um, I had to really scale my business down. So I had people working for me that I couldn't afford to keep. Um, I had invested a lot into business projects I wasn't able to execute on. And I was really close to almost filing for bankruptcy. And what was so heartbreaking about that was that my private practice was flourishing, but I was self-funding all my initiatives without outside capital. Mm -hmm. And then I tried to raise the capital and I failed. And at the same time, making matters worse, my marriage was coming undone. So I was married for 12 years and during this time I also was probably in the most unhappy place in my marriage so I felt really alone meaning I didn't have a husband to go home to and put my head on his shoulders and someone to tell me everything's going to be okay so and my husband was going through his own financial problems so I felt like 
I was on this ship that was sinking, and it used to be that despite the fact I was unhappily married for a long time, my business is where I would escape to, and that was my happy place. And when my business no longer was my happy place, I would wake up in the morning and I would cry in the shower, put my makeup on, cry that off, and then I'd get to my office, which no longer was my happy place, and I'd close to my office and I'd cry one more time, put the makeup on one more time, and then have to see clients for nine hours straight. So when I look back on that time, and when I failed to raise capital and everything was really just sort of coming undone, one of the things I've learned to rely on is my faith in God. And I started to read a lot during this time. And one of my favorite sayings is, rejection is God's protection. And I couldn't see it at the time. But in my failure to raise capital, what really ended up happening was, because I didn't take on investors, I now own 100% of my business. And by rebuilding my business one brick at a time, my business is now more successful than I could dream of, and I end up owning 100% of it. So for all you listeners out there, um, and I'll add one more thing to that, I also got married last year to my twin flame, my soulmate, wherever you want to describe it, and I was heartbroken when my marriage fell apart because I had three kids with my husband who's one of the best people out there. We just weren't suited together. So at the same time that my business was coming undone and my marriage was coming undone, and during this time I would say to God, like, why? Like, I'm a good person. Like, how's all this happening to me? This wasn't the life that I designed for myself. I was too close to it, but in my reading I learned to have faith in God. Like, if you believe that God loves you and that you're a good person, like, rejection is God's protection. So when you think things aren't working out for you, if you really have faith, just take a deep breath and you could say, I don't understand why this is happening, but I'm not going to question it because I know you love me. And looking back now, I understand my path, which was I got divorced so I could meet my husband, who I'm with today, and you know how crazy I am about him. And we really are best friends and the business now that's thriving. If I'd raised capital, I would have raised an valuation that would be so much lower than what it is today, and I would have lost a big part of it. So um, those are my words of wisdom that um, in your darkest hours, just find the strength to be resilient. And sometimes I would call my father, and as dark as this sounds, guys, so, you know, I'm revealing a lot, but this is my journey. I would call my dad, and I'm like, I don't want to do it anymore. Like, I'm done. He's like, what does that mean? I'm like, read into whatever you want. Like, I just can't do this anymore. I was so broken. And he's like, just give it one more day. Tomorrow we can have this talk, but just one more day. And one more day became one more week and one more month. Like, how'd you keep me around for another month, you know? It's like, <laughs> I was done last month. So resiliency, um, I think, for any businesswoman, if you were to say, like, Tanya, like, what is, like, the one thing, like, that you would say to someone if they want to be an entrepreneur? And, like, it's resiliency. Like, you, and sometimes you find a strength within you you never knew you had. Um, but that's, I think, is something I've learned about myself that I would never have guessed. Because most of my life has gone pretty well for me, you know? It's like, and all of a sudden, all this stuff happened, and it was it was really sort of a jagged pill to swallow. Yeah, and I think I love that story, and I love that message, because it's so easy on, you know, social media or out on the, you know, out in a nice restaurant to look upon another person and impute all of these ideas about their life and how easy it was and how paved with gold their sidewalks were and so forth, but there's a lot of struggle behind behind all of these um, journeys, and especially um, entrepreneurial journeys and personal sure. journeys and all of these different things. I mean, since yeah. Jessica Rossman, who's here with us today, um, she started off as my intern and then, you know, moved, like, well, you didn't start off as an intern, no. but she started off as my assistant, excuse me, and then moved up through, like, the organization. But 
when I was getting divorced and the business was coming undone, all this was happening at once, I had to move because I need to find my own place. Uh-huh. I couldn't even afford a moving truck. So Jess and I, with like that thing that you wash your clothes and then you bring down, <laughs> that, the, what's the, like the laundry cart? Yeah, yeah. That's how we moved most of my belongings, like up and down the city streets. So I agree, it's like, I, I you never know what someone has struggled with yeah but we always talk about that and Mm -hmm. you know Jess had to go sell all my jewelry for me and I'd be at work with clients and she's like they'll take x amount of dollars for this bracelet I'm like go to another place see if you can get more because every dollar counted so um you know the people in my life have been a long time have seen this personal journey and um you know I'm happy to be able to share with your audience because you know my audience has been pretty specific it's people who've been (laughs) around me but um, Jess, you know, is the first to tell you, like, yeah, like her story's really authentic, probably even worse than what she shared. But I hope that you know your your viewers and your listeners are finding inspiration in this and to not give up on yourself. Yeah, when I was starting my private practice, my mom used to tell me, you know, there would be times when I would call my own phone to make sure that it was working because I'd be like, there must be a problem here with Verizon because the phone is not ringing. <laughs> and then uh, I'd call my mom and be like, can you just call my office line? I just need to check one thing. And then a second later it would ring and I'd be like, okay, I gotta go. Mom. I'm really busy. Um, and, um, and I remember at one point, sure, she was asking me, why, why are you having me calling you all the time? And I'd be like, well, the phone is not ringing. And she was like, you know what? Sometimes if you're drowning, just try to float. Like, just try to exist and float. And oh, that's nice advice. Yeah, just so, exist. Just exist. And I like, it's kind of very similar to what you just said, which is that if you're going through a rough time, just have the conversation the next day, and then that becomes a week and a yeah. month. And then, you, and then you are sitting on top of the F Factory Empire, you know, fast forward yeah. to today. Well, we're not done yet, but it's definitely... Um, rewarding that it's it's grown as much as it has and just the public response. I mean, I think that to me, and I'm sure um, Dr. Deckon, you, I know, I know your heart, there's nothing more rewarding than working in a field where you're making a difference in people's lives. Where, right. you know, at the end of the day, we could always talk about big, you know, big business and being a boss and, you know, and, and company growth and exit strategies and all that stuff. But at the end of the day, I feel so fortunate to work um, in a field where my altruistic motivation to help people, um, you know, that I can honor that. And at the same time, of course, want to be successful so that we can em- employ people um, that, you know, are adding value to our organization and give us the support that we need. So um, I, I love what I do. I absolutely love helping people. And I love that so many people are finding F Factor, you know, to be a solution. To a lifelong struggle with weight management. Yeah. Because it doesn't have to be punitive. And I think that's why social media for me, for all of you out there who are running your own businesses and you've done an extraordinary job, social media really gives you a platform to not just talk about your brand, but in a really, I think, authentic way. And for me, you know, before social media had stories, Instagram wasn't growing for me that much because you put a picture of a salad on it's like not that exciting when I started to do the stories and showing my life meaning you know I would show the client success stories but I would show how I would eat the F-Factor way at home with my family or when I was traveling or they'd see me like always holding a glass of wine or you know it's the messaging I think became very real for people and I think it allowed people inside to see wow like this doesn't have to 
be a burden. I don't have to compromise my lifestyle in order to change my life. I can travel for business or pleasure. I can dine out with my girlfriends. I can meet my friends for a happy hour. I can have a family dinner, family barbecue. I can enjoy the holidays. It gave so much color and so many examples to people that I think that's where the buy-in started to happen rather than just like a book or just like this sort of, you know, sort of candid message in a, in a picture. I think the stories really, you know, are helping brands to, to, you know, to give character and a voice. Yeah, I like that. Um, I want to talk a little bit more about the specifics of the F factor because one of my favorite rules in the F factor is the three bite rule. <laughs> and um, <laughs> why don't you explain what that is yeah. and why it's so amazing? So the three bite rule um, speaks to the fact that in F factor there's no food that's taboo. Um, I, I really have a disdain. Um, I was trying to find a, 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 a less <laughs> strong word. word. Yes. Um, but you know, for programs for diets that cut out food groups in their entirety or of nutrients, because there's not one food in the world that's to blame for the epidemic of obesity that we're seeing. It's not carbs. It's not protein. It's not chocolate. It's not cocktails. Yes, in combination, they're all problematic. And I would, you know, we can talk about that in a minute. You know how how to lose weight and you know what, what's the solution. But the three bite rule applies to the fact that if you really want something and it's stagnant, you know it's gonna interrupt like your weight loss progress, don't eat the whole thing, have three bites. And why three bites? Because there was a study that was done where they had three groups of subjects and they were all given a candy bar. One was a mini, one was a regular, and then one was like a king size candy bar. And they asked all the subjects to rate their level of satiety, you know, at the beginning, at the end, and in between. And satiety for you guys is just a clinical term to have a measure how satisfied someone is after eating. And satiety is both physiological and psychological. So um, what they found was that the first and last bite always rated the highest, right? The first bite's the best, like, oh my God, that's the best thing I've ever tasted. <laughs> and the last bite's so good because it's like the last dance. It's like, oh my God, it's the last one. Like, I have to enjoy it. So in order to have a first and last, you need a middle. And therefore, what they found was if there were six bites, nine bites, or three bites, the first and last always rated the highest. So three bites would be enough to satisfy anyone. Um, so that's the three bite rule. So whether it's cake or a few potato chips, I mean, three bites, and one bite never seems like enough. You know, like one bite leads to a second bite. More than three bites, it's now it's just hedonistic. Now you're just eating because it's just that good. So three bites should be enough to satiate you. And one of my most challenging clients was uh, Adam Platt, who was the, who is, um, the critic for New York Magazine. And they gave me a call, and they're like, uh, you know, New York Magazine calling, we have Adam Platt, he's been our, uh, our food critic for years, but this is finally the checkup that he had that, you know, borderline gout, high cholesterol, diabetic, like all of a sudden, like 20 years of like really intense eating had caught up to him from a health perspective. And he gained a lot of weight, like, are you, you know, can you work with him? And I'm thinking, my God, look, I have, I already have the challenge of working with clients who work hard and play hard. This guy gets paid to eat. That's his job. How can I help and this man? he has man? to eat. Has to eat. He cannot yeah. quit his day job to do F-Factor. So how could I honor his profession, but still honor his health and his interest to lose weight, lower his cholesterol, and control his sugars? And we applied the three-bite rule of rock. So I would say, Adam, how many bites of a steak do you need to eat before you can, you know, decide if it's well seared, if it's seasoned well. And we, you know, he understood it, and the three-bite rule really applied so he can continue writing his, his, critic, his critiques 
and also a lot of his critiques, if you ever read them, it, you know, he talks about the ambiance. So it wasn't just about the food. I'm like, your writing is very experiential. Yeah. So, you know, the week though he started with me, he's like, you know, you think it's a challenge of a food critic. He's like, in New York Magazine, they have the best of. So he's like, this is the best of edition. I need to find the best picking duck, the best steak, the best pasta. I was like, wait, what? Like, and he has to go to every restaurant. Like, they give him five restaurants for, the, to, for him to decide what's the best of, you know, in New York City. And I'm so proud to say that Adam lost over 30 pounds on the F-Factor diet, never quitting his day job, often using the three-bite rule so he could, you know, still enjoy food, but not to the point where he was, you know, interfering with his interest and looking and feeling his very best, which is really F-Factor's core message. Um, It's something I say all the time that you should not have to compromise your quality of life in order to change your life. I want my clients and I want all F-Factor followers to say that this is their best life ever. I want them to feel like I'm not compromising anything. You know, I'm dining out, I'm drinking alcohol, I'm eating carbs, I'm not killing myself at the gym, and yet I'm losing weight without hunger, without deprivation, without denial, and I'm also getting all these health benefits. Because at the end of the day, the combination of fiber and protein is what has been missing in our quest to sort of eat better. You know, we go through these trends where we cut out nutrients. It was low carb, um, and now you're hearing a lot about paleo and keto. And while low carb is wildly effective, it misses the fiber message. So why does fiber matter? Well, it has many weight management properties, and it has many clinical benefits. The weight management properties of fiber is, number one, fiber actually revs up your metabolism. And I know this clinically because I measure my clients' metabolism the first day I meet them, and every time they're losing weight, every time they're coming in, we are measuring their metabolism because if you go on a low calorie diet, ultimately your body will kick into self-preservation mode and metabolism slows down. That's why people plateau or it's why people gain the weight back afterwards. Fiber has a thermogenic effect. Anything that increases your body's internal temperature is what we call thermogenesis and it's actually part of your, me- your metabolic rate. So the more fiber you're eating, the faster your metabolism will be getting. Number two, fiber swells in your stomach. So even though fiber has no calories, it fills you up and keeps you feeling full as if you ate thousands of calories. So that's how we can create a caloric deficit without hunger. And then fiber not only revs metabolism and keeps you feeling full for hours, fiber, remember I said it acts like a sponge and pulls out cholesterol? Fiber will bind with fat and calories and the other foods you're eating it with, and those fat and calories will get bound up in that fiber where they get evacuated and land in the toilet bowl. Otherwise, they would have entered into your bloodstream and those fat and calories can land on your hips and your belly. And this has been documented. Into your heart. Yeah, exactly. Well, it's like atherosclerosis, of course. But there was a study that was done that found that when women doubled their fiber intake, that they absorbed 90 calories less, meaning both subject groups received 2,000 calories. But the one that had 24 grams of fiber instead of the 12 grams of fiber at, at the end of that period, they had absorbed fewer calories. They were, those calories were binding up in the fiber and, and leaving the body. So if you absorb 90 calories less, you might say, well, that's not that big of a deal, 90 calories. But if you were to repeat that every day for a year, that's almost, it's 9.6, 10 pounds of weight loss. And what I love about this whole theory is that most diets out there create a caloric deficit through omission. By cutting out carbs, by cutting out sugar, by cutting out alcohol, we can cut back on calories and you'll lose weight. F-factor creates a caloric deficit, not through omission, but through addition. By adding fiber into your diet, you're naturally gonna absorb fewer calories, 
you're gonna rev up your metabolism and you'll feel full for hours, and that's why fiber helps people lose weight without hunger. It's not just that it's keeping you feeling full, it's the fact that it has that thermogenic effect that's revving up your metabolism, and that the evacuation that happens when you eat fiber is pulling out more fat and calories than if you didn't have it. And then the clinical benefits, I'd be remiss not to mention that you can lower your cholesterol, you can manage your serum glucose levels, you can reverse type 2 diabetes, um, you can reduce your risk for colon and breast cancer. Um, a recent study came out of Harvard last year, um, and what they found was that women with the highest fiber intake in young adulthood had a 14% decreased risk of breast cancer So, as, as an adult. And that's because fiber binds with estrogen and reduces estrogen dominance. So it's just amazing this, that fiber, you know, which has been around forever, that's not proprietary. I don't own fiber. It's just you know, my messaging that I've packaged it to deliver like this message to eat more fiber. But it's, it's in so many foods that most people probably already have in their pantry. It's, it's not cost prohibitive. You can go to any farmer's market. You can go to a supermarket. This is not an elitist program. Anyone can eat the F-factor yeah. way. Okay, so tell us some examples of high-fiber foods sure. that are easy to integrate into the diet. So one of my favorite foods are raspberries. Those have eight grams of fiber. Um, I should begin by mentioning that women should aim for 30 to 35 grams of fiber per day, and men need 38 grams, just so okay. your listeners can contextualize, okay, so how am I getting there? Okay. Um, many high-fiber cereals, uh, like for example, Smart Brand, which is an organic uh, brand cereal, that's 13 grams, so if you pair that, everything with F-factor is fiber and protein at every meal makes losing weight no big deal. So for breakfast, if you had that high-fiber cereal for 13 grams and raspberries at eight grams, and you pair it with the Greek yogurt for the protein, the fiber is 21 grams. You've already met half of your fiber needs before lunch. So fiber is found in fruits, fiber is found in vegetables like cruciferous vegetables, broccoli, cauliflower, asparagus, Brussels sprouts. Um, fiber is also found in whole grains and beans and legumes. Fiber is also found in my products. <laughs> not, not, not to name drop that factor in products, <laughs> but, uh, or self-promote, but I'm so excited about these products because yeah. of their fiber content. And people ask me, you know, why are you introducing products? Or, you know, why now? And the, the main reason behind the introduction of these products was because for 20 years, I've been recommending subpar products in the marketplace. There weren't a lot of, there was not a protein powder that had fiber. And the bars that were recommending, frankly, weren't that great. So other than, um, you know, the, the foods that we recommended, already the bars and the powders are also a way for people to meet their fiber requirements. 20 grams of fiber in each, and they're organic and all natural, non-GMO, um, they're kosher, there's no sugar added, so they're just really and high quality. And they've been quality. a hit, I've seen yeah, them they, all over the place. And the first time them. we introduced the bars, they, we thought we had two months of inventory, and we sold that in three hours. It blew us away, so we love that you guys love the products as much as we do. And you should because it's it's a way to meet your fiber needs and feel full and manage your weight and get healthy um, in a really delicious, convenient, easy way. What's some advice that you can give someone who has had unsuccessful dieting and is trying to kind of get on a weight management program for the first time? What yeah. what's sort of some very easy beginner advice that you would give to someone? Um, I would say. Number one, I'm just going to obviously seem a little bit redundant, but eat more fiber. Okay. The idea is all diets, so whether you're going to adopt F-factor, and you should because it's the most effective delivering approach to weight loss, but any program that you are going to adopt has to create a caloric deficit. That's how weight loss occurs. But if you add fiber into your diet, you still can create that caloric deficit, but you're not going to be hungry because you're going to have large portions of food. 
So if you're going to lose weight, you might as well feel full and receive health benefits as well. So look for a high fiber program or a factor. So fiber is number one. Number two, stay hydrated. When you are dehydrated, it mimics the symptoms of hunger. You feel weak, tired, shaky, cranky. Um, it also interrupts digestion. Um, and your skin, as you know, will suffer as well. So I always remind clients, and this is certainly your space more than mine, but I'm like, think about a raisin and a grape. You know, it's like a raisin a raisin's a dehydrated grape. You want to be hydrated. But we, we tell our clients to aim for three liters of fluid a day. Um, and the last thing is be kind to yourself. You know, if you, if you are, you know, having a really good week and then you stumble and fall, don't just throw your hands up in the air and say, God, oh, you know, I guess this wasn't meant to be. Might as well go back to my crappy eating. You know, I don't have the resolve. I'm not disciplined. Be kind to yourself. It's not a sprint. It's a marathon. And all I tell my clients is just get up, dust yourself off, and keep moving towards your plan A. You know, don't settle. That's nice. Be the best you can be. One of my favorite sayings is don't settle for mediocrity where greatness can exist. And what I mean, you know, how do you define greatness? It's up to each and every one of us to define greatness because we all have different standards. So define greatness for yourself. The other thing I always tell my clients is create the life that you want to live in, you know, create the life you want to lead, and then picture yourself in that life. What do you look like? What do you feel like? And that's what we're working towards. So to work hard, to build a big business, have a family, but then you yourself are overweight, tired, unhealthy. It's, it's not what it's all about. So yes, work hard to create the lifestyle, the, the marriage, the friendships, the career that you want, but recognize that you owe it to yourself to look and feel your best while you're living that life. And so many people feel it's so hard to have it all. Um, and what I say is, look, no one has it all, but we all should be trying to have it all. Yeah. So work, work hard <laughs> to high. get there. Aim exactly. high. Aim I love high. that. Um, what are some pitfalls that, some habits that people think are healthy but are actually undermining their own weight management goals and their own health? Yeah. So, I actually give a lecture on this, and it's called Healthy Eating versus Healthy Eating for Weight Management. There are so many health foods out there that are going to provide you with energy and with vitamins and nutrients, but they will actually interfere with your body's need to burn fat for fuel. So these are all like the healthy carbs that we've been hearing about. Everyone's eating a ton of quinoa and avocado toast, um, a lot of fruit, and what happens is all these foods get converted to glucose. If you are fueling your body with glucose, your body does not need to burn fat for fuel. Carbohydrates are your body's first choice for fuel always. It's premium unleaded gasoline. You think of your body as a car. Only in the absence of premium would you put regular gasoline into your car. And your body will recognize that only in the absence of glucose does it have to look for that secondary fuel source, which is your fat. Therefore, at F-Factor, we have a formula where we keep the net carbs low. And it's, as I said, it's extremely scientific. I've studied how much glycogen the body can hold, figured out how much carbs someone can eat, you know, how the fiber will help keep you feeling full while we're keeping the net carbs low. But the idea is that in the absence of carbs, you'll burn fat. So when people are overfueling with all these healthy carbs, and we're seeing it all the time, because all you do is go on Instagram to see these huge avocado toasts or quinoa bowls or acai bowls or these smoothies that often have a lot of fruit or other sugars, that your body now has an energy source and you'll never burn fat. So there's healthy eating and healthy eating for weight management and they need to be defined better. So don't think that by eating all these healthy carbs, like tons of hummus, and then you scratch your head wondering why you're not losing weight because as healthy these foods are, your body's using that for energy rather than your fat stores. And we all know people work out really hard yeah. and then they go and they get like these, what they consider to be these really healthy meals 
and all they're doing is replenishing their glycogen stores that they just emptied through the activity factor. The next day when they go to work out, that's what they're going to be burning again. They never get to their fat stores. I'm always concerned about that when I see people with these huge 500 calorie pressed juices that are all like, yes. you know, there's nothing wrong with an orange, but it's that's a lot of sugar. A lot. <laughs> all oranges and apples and sugar. Yeah. So and even vegetables, you know, it's it's the carbs do add up, especially yeah. because you pulled all the fiber out. This stuff is all cold pressed. The fiber could at least slow down the entry of these sugars into the bloodstream and also bind with some of the fat and calories and sugars and pull them out. So, um, yes, I think you know that is probably for me one of um, one of the areas that I love to educate the most um, because you also you have this aha moment and you're like, oh my god, that's why. Despite the fact that I think I'm eating everything, you know, I'm, I have a $500 food bill from Whole Foods every week and I'm eating you know such healthy foods, and then why am I not losing weight? So. I think that's a mistake people make, and I think over-exercising. Um, I think that's also another issue, that by all this cardio that we are doing, is actually it, it stimulates your appetite, um, and then your body's actually encouraging you to refuel. So you, you're creating sort of this vicious cycle, and if you're, if you're not refueling, then you're twice as hungry as you probably you know, should be. So I think there's a better balance, and we talk really about the importance of doing a weight-resistant activity rather than burning out all this cardio, because in 20 minutes, if you lift weights and improve your muscle mass, muscles where you store carbs, you're actually going to increase your glycogen storage capacity, or in layman's terms, you'll make more room for eating carbs. So allow you to eat more carbs in the future without weight gain. All the cardio in the world doesn't do that, as you know, it's, it's not weight resistant, so you're just burning calories, but you're not setting yourself for long-term weight management. And psychologically, I, I believe a lot of people, when they exercise, they feel entitled to eat more. Because we tend to yeah, overestimate, you yeah. Like, but you deserve the, it. the issue that is we <laughs> overestimate our caloric output. Like, oh, I just burned 500 calories. A lot of those machines are wrong. They, NBC did a whole story about the Fitbits. Half of those were wrong. That we think we're burning more calories than we really are. And then adding insult to injuries that we underestimate our caloric intake. And then even done studies with dietitians where they show like dietitians muffins and they say how many calories do you think there are. And even people who are trained to know get it wrong. So we think we're burning more than we are, we think we're eating less than we are, and it's a recipe for disaster. So the whole thing with exercise is that I think exercise absolutely has a role in all our lives. I exercise, I want all my clients to exercise, but remove it from your weight management equation. Exercise because it releases endorphins, it's good for bone density, it's important for muscle mass, but stop relying on exercise in order to offset your poor dietary choices or to manage your intake because God forbid someone breaks her foot and all of a sudden she can't exercise. Does that mean that that individual now is doomed to gain weight? No. In fact, someone in my office actually broke, um, I, I, it's, she broke her leg. She was hit, tragically hit by a car. Young girl, and she was like, Tanya, am I going to gain weight now? I was like, no, you're going to lose weight. I was like, you're going to do F-factor and you're going to see that weight management and weight loss is not reliant on your energy output. So I want everyone to learn how to manage your weight through your intake and not through your output. Not only is it liberating, but if you ever get an injury, it's not an excuse that you're gaining weight. Yeah, so that's great. And so what is kind of an ideal exercise regimen um, for you? Yeah, so I work out, I'm fortunate to work out with a trainer, and, um, and we do weight-resistant activity. And the reason I'm smiling is because I used to work out like an animal six to seven days a week. I am so over it. I hate it so much. <laughs> yes, I feel good afterwards, but if I was not paying this guy to be waiting downstairs for me, I would just never go. So that's like why I always say, you know, sometimes it's important to have people in your life that motivate you. Um, you know, certainly works in private practice. My clients come in because like they're invested in like me, sort of rooting them on. So I work with a trainer, and we work mostly on weight-resistant activity. It's it's 
I joke with him, like, he just lift my ass up like three inches. And he's like, what's your goal? I'm like, single is less big, just that booty, three just get up there, whatever you can do. Um, and we, we really work on strength training. As I said, that's so important for women, for bone density. Um, you know, F-factor keeps me lean, but the gym keeps me strong and toned. And I recommend that for my male clients, my female clients. The program is so effective at helping people to lose weight. On average, women lose 10 pounds in their first month and men lose 15. And then it slows down to two pounds a week after that. The reason the first month you lose so much is because you lose a little bit of water weight as your glycogen stores empty out as you're using that fuel. Um, speaking clinically, so you understand this, so you know you, yeah. you, you lose the water. Um, and then after that, it's all fat burning. And the, re- the way that we know our clients are burning fat for fuel is because of the technology we have at F-Factor, that we are measuring their body composition, including their muscle mass, um, and their body fat. So I know their body composition, where the fat's located, where the muscle's located, and every week I can identify how much body fat they're losing. And that's how I know that they're keeping their net carbs below 35 and their fiber above 35 so that they're feeling full, but the low net carb is why they're burning fat for fuel. So we have a, an app at F-Factor, it's free for any of your listeners, and the app allows people to track their fiber and net carbs. So every day, our clients or F-Factor followers know if they're burning fat for fuel, because you pretty much stick to those parameters. Because weight loss is a formula, it's science. I say this all the time. I'm just delivering a message to you guys, this is not proprietary at all. Um, your body burns fat for fuel in the absence of glucose. So if you can keep your net carbs low, you will be burning fat. How do you know if you keep your net carbs low? Well, use the app. So you put your food in if you're less than 35. But if you only go low carb, you're gonna feel exhausted. You're gonna be weak, tired, shaking, cranky. We've seen so many people on low carb diets not having a lot of energy. Because think about it, athletes carbo load. Athletes eat carbs for energy. So if you're gonna remove carbs completely, you're gonna be exhausted. You're not gonna be able to think clearly. You definitely could not do surgery. I couldn't go on TV and talk about what I need to talk about. You just, you're not gonna have clarity because even your central nervous system, your brain rely on glucose. So you need some carbs. So the problem is too much carb gets converted to body fat. You overfill what you can store. And that's how you can gain weight even from those fat-free carbs that we're talking about, those cold-pressed juices, the quinoa balls. But no carb leaves you feeling exhausted and cranky. So you wanna get enough carb that you have energy, but low enough carb that you're burning fat for fuel. And the fiber is how you're gonna get carbs without gaining weight from them because fiber takes up room in these carbs. But a big part of the carb will be indigestible, and that's the fiber component. So that's why a high-fiber, high-protein diet is essential to weight loss. The protein helps you maintain muscle mass during the weight loss process. Okay, I love yes. it. So, so you must have a guilty pleasure, yes. right? I Many. mean, you can't be this perfect. No, I'm so far from perfect. <laughs> so, so tell far. us what your guilty pleasure is, or and then followed closely by what's your last meal on earth, like your ideal dream. Yeah. You got it. Not hard for me. I think about it all the time. Um, So my guilty, guilty pleasure are potato chips. The crunchier, the better. I've been obsessed lately with the kettle chips, the jalapeno, the spicy one. Obsessed. Um, That's but any flavor potato chip, barbecue, sour cream, onion. Um, I'll take the baked ones. I'll take the fried ones. Just chips. Um, right after that would be pasta, which will lead me to answer your question, what would be my last meal on earth? Um, it would probably be a huge bowl of pasta bolognese, washed down with a bottle of red wine. Yes, the whole bottle, all to myself. Um, so yeah, pasta. I don't mind uh, a good paella either, so rice. So you have more of a salty too, than much. a sweet, it's safe, sweet right? I, yeah. And I think you know that has changed, and, and this speaks to like, the fact that 
behavior modification can change your chemi- your your internal chemistry. Mm-hmm. I used to eat a lot of sugar. When you eat sugar, you crave sugar. Mm-hmm. When you eat less sugar, your body craves less sugar. It's just you know, it's a response. It's an insulin response. So what's interesting is when I think about that answer a few years ago, it probably would have been more like something sweeter, more of a dessert. But yes, it's it's all about the carbs for me. Um, but possible days would really make me happy. Have you noticed personally that F-Factor has um, affected your own diet and weight and body habits and things like that? I am absolutely the billboard for F-Factor. What I mean by that is F-Factor is absolutely not about being perfect. It's probably things like the three-bite rule. Um, But F-Factor was designed probably as a byproduct of the lifestyle I was leading, which is I wanted to work out, I wanted to work out less. <laughs> I wanted to go out, is what I meant to say. You know, I wanted to go out for dinners. I definitely wanted to enjoy cocktails with my friends. Um, I didn't want to give up carbs, as you, you just heard, they're my favorite food group. And I got to a point where I was so burnt out from working out so much, I wanted to work out less. So it, I, was, I was able to justify you know, all, all of these claims. But more importantly, all these claims can be substantiated. You know, so it's the science that supports it. But I do live and breathe it. One because, as a clinician, I'm, I, I am so, just taken by the science that supports these theories because they sound so counterintuitive. So I love that the science shows that you can eat something that speeds up your metabolism and and and, and aids in evacuation and detoxes your body. Um, I I love that I don't have to compromise my lifestyle because the studies support. Um, that many cultures, you know, you look at the Mediterranean cultures where France and Italy, that they drink wine and they don't have the instance of obesity, you know, that we do. So, so much, so there's so many myths that have, that have really sort of spread within my space and my space is a really crowded one um, and it's frustrating to me because sometimes it's some of the people with the loudest voices and the largest plas- platforms that are the least qualified to be doing the educating. So, I, I try and lead by example. I live and breathe the F-factor you know, way, I, I, and that's why I share so much of it on my social, because I want people to see how easy it is and how liberating and how fun. You know, I think people who know me well are like, she laughs a lot. Like, Tanya is definitely someone that loves life and loves her friends and her family and going out and partying and traveling, and you know, I think I give people a little bit of access to that because in that oversharing, it's just really, I've always been that person. You know, I, I've referred many of my friends to you. When I find something that I'm obsessed with or I, that I believe in, I send everyone. So I think for me, it's like sharing F factors, no different than sharing you with my followers or anything that I believe in. So I'm living that way. You know, I use your creams, I share them on my social too. You know, it's, I'm, I'm just always, I think my heart is really big like that. And it's why I know like I work with clients because like I am someone that gets so much joy from making other people happy. So um, I think that's probably why I have been so transparent with my family, with my friends, with my life, sharing it publicly because... Yeah, you're so open. I mean, so you don't often see that amongst, you know, adult yeah. people. I, I think and probably I like Anthony that. wishes I was a little bit more guarded. That's my <laughs> husband. He's a camera off. Family. Um, yeah, no, I'm not guarded at all. And, I, I, and, and I'm far from perfect. You know, someone once brought something up to me, like, I heard, I'm like, yeah. I'm like, I don't have scouts in my closet. There's nothing that I'm like ashamed of. There are things that I, 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 I own that I've made terrible mistakes. But what my point is that I think from my mistakes and being open with them is how you learn and how you grow. So I'm the first to laugh at myself. And I yeah. think that's probably why I could be so and open, you know, because I guess, you know, no sooner are you going to make fun of me, I'll probably make fun of myself first. So like, I beat you to it, you know? It's, so. 
And we've kind of talked about this before, but you're sort of a girl's girl, yeah. um, which I like about you because you're you're sort of everyone is your confidant, and you are very um, generous with sharing your tips and tricks. You're generous as um, a friend. You're very generous with even mentors. Um, we're here taping, and we have two of Tanya's. Uh, many interns who are watching and you've you've become a role model for a lot of different kinds of people um, Whether they're young people or people who are struggling with the weight loss journey or people who are Entering into the healthy lifestyle space or people who are aspiring in careers in healthcare. Thank you. So I was wondering if you could just give a little bit of advice as a mentor to Love. people who are looking up to you Thank you. I mean, that's really generous um, and I guess that comes from my understanding of when you take care of the needs of others, God will always take care of your needs. And I think that's why I have never been tight with my resources, whether it's my advice or my time or my energy. Um, a lot of times when people are tight with what they have to give, and sometimes it's just advice, as you said, mentoring. Um, sometimes people are tight with their finances. No one wants to give me money, I'm not asking for it. You know, I think it's because people feel in their time of need, they're not gonna have. So I wanna share a very quick story with your listeners, um, which is, I was once sitting on an airplane and um, this guy and I started to talk and I was reading a book by uh, Joel Osteen and he said, oh, are you Christian? I said, no, I'm Jewish. He said, well, that's a funny book to be reading. And I said, well, I just really like the message. And he said, well, I am Christian and um, I'd like to share a story with you. So, you know, we were both traveling for business and he said, you know, when I was, he's like, my wife and I had always tithed and for people who don't know what tithing is, um, you give 10% of your income to the church. So if you make $10,000, you give $1,000 to the church. If you make 100,000, 10,000, and so on. And he and his wife started their own business. And he said that that was the first year that they did not tithe because they didn't feel they had the extra resources. Every dollar that they had extra, they, that they thought they had to reinvest in their own business. So he's like, we can't afford to tithe. And he said a year later, the business had refused to grow, it just wouldn't grow. And he and his wife had a conversation. He said, you know what, we have to tighten our belt. If we have to eat beans for protein instead of buying meat, we've got to figure this out, but we have to give back. And he said, as soon as they did that, the business started to grow. And he gave, he shared this metaphor with me, which I'm happy to share with you guys. I'm not taking credit for this. This was um, very lucky that I was in this middle seat on this airplane that this guy <laughs> shared this with me. But he said, think of your resources. Let's start with money. Turn on a faucet and think of the money coming out of the sink, out of the faucet. And you're so desperate to hold on to it because you need it. So you go to grab it and you're like, yeah, got it. I've got so much money in my hand. And when you pull your hand away and you open it, what do you really have? Just a few drops, if that. On the other hand, if you just cup your hands like this, not in a greedy way, not in a grabby way, you just allow your cups very openly to collect under that faucet, look how much more you can collect. And that has stayed with me. So whether it's advice you have, whether it's a reservation you can get someone, you know, whether it's writing a check to a charity, whatever it is that you have, in your time of need, the, the, the seed must lead. And I'm, to explain that, it's like whatever it is that you want in life, like you gotta put that into the ground first. Like you reap what you sow. Mm -hmm. The more you give, the more you get. So if I'm giving advice, it's not that I necessarily need advice, but kindness will come at me in a different way. So I think I'll always look very openly and I, I've, Sometimes people say it about F-Factor. Everyone's like, you give away everything, like your neck carbs, your fiber, like it's, it's all your intellectual property. Like you've just given it. I'm just like, I don't know. It's like in my mind, it's the way that I'm looking at it, it's like 
if I help all these people to improve their health and well-being because I have this knowledge, God sees that. Mm-hmm. And you know, I always say, you're not the judge, and you're never like, you know, someone's judging, like, you don't judge me, I only have one, even with Anthony, like, if we are having, I'm like, you're not the judge of me, I was like, who's your judge? I'm like, there's only one person who judges me, and that's God, and therefore, there's only one person that really can bless my life, and that's God, so I want to be a blessing to others, but God's who's going to bless my life, so when you're blessing unto others, when you're caring, when you're sharing, when you, when you are generous, when you give openly, and not with your fist closed, when I look at the blessings now, because People, you might see my life as very fortunate right now. And yes, I'm, I'm, I'm in love with someone, and uh, we, we, we travel, and we have a really nice lifestyle, but it wasn't always that way. And I believe 100% in my heart that the happiness and the joy and the um, success that I'm experiencing was because for all those years, despite being unhappy and struggling, um, I hope that my heart was still in the right place. And then God put me through that to test me, to see if I had the resiliency, but also like, did I have the belief in myself and could I keep could I keep good faith? Could I keep a heart that was open? And then, you know, this was I believe his reward. But I also say I don't take anything for granted. I wake up every day and I thank God. And I also know that nothing lasts. And it, it, that's not to be negative whatsoever, but the world is round and sometimes you're on top of the world, so enjoy it. And then, you know, sometimes like the world comes under you a little bit. It's not your best place. So in the moments that things are going well, it, it, it's not to say be cocky about it, but enjoy it. It, it doesn't always last. Yeah. And also remember, guys, when things are going really bad, this too shall pass. It's a saying. This too shall pass speaks for the good times, like they'll pass, but the bad times pass too. And that knowing that is what got me through those hard times. That's what my dad was saying. Just That's what my dad used to tell me too. Yeah. So you see, <laughs> we love that good advice. Very Probably why we're both still standing, <laughs> sitting here. Sitting here, no, but standing in another way. Yeah. Um, well... You know, I think that's really great, and I've actually often thought that about the F-Factor message, which, by the way, I've recommended to so many patients who Thank are you. on weight loss journeys, because, you know, you can't you can't just rush straight to a quick fix. You need to have a sustainable long-term change, and I, I think that that's true. You know, I, we, I have nothing to do with your company, but I think that that's <laughs> true from a medical from a medical standpoint, um, and um, so I really like it because there are not so many diets out there that I feel good about recommending from a medical standpoint. Like Atkins is a little bit of a nightmare. I mean, you know, with all due respect, you you can't live in that way without yeah. having a heart attack. And yeah. um, so I, I think that you're doing such an amazing Thank service. Thank you. Well, I always say um, the best validation I receive is from the medical community. Yeah. And my private practice started off with doctor referrals and continues um, to rely on doctor referrals because ultimately um, it's doctors that patients rely on for really credible, authentic um, recommendations and advice. So when a doctor, you know, sort of gives me the check or refers a client, that's like really where I know that our messaging and the science that supports F-Factor's efficacy um, is, 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 is appreciated. And at the end of the day, um, it's something that I feel a lot of pride in, in a world where dieting um, really, as I said, has been based on so much misinformation and false information. It's one of the reasons I encourage everyone to get smarter. Be your own healthcare advocate, but like, dig deeper. You know, just stop following trends. It's 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 why people have such a negative response to the world of dieting. We feel like, oh, I have to start my diet on Monday. It feels punitive. And I hope that your listeners today learn that weight loss and management and improved health does not 
have to compromise your quality of life. You can live your best life starting now. You don't have to give up dining out, drinking alcohol, eating carbs. You don't have to be a slave to the gym. And you can start losing weight right now. It's just, it's knowing how to do it. So remember, fiber and protein, every meal makes losing weight no big deal. Amazing. Well, and with